1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
2: I ever tell you about my Star Trek script?
1: Star Trek script? Yeah, I gotta write it down is all.
3: I'm Greta
0: Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerd Podcast. This week we talk with author Denise Kiernan, who's responsible for one of my favorite books this year, The Girls of Atomic City.
3: And it turns out she's one of my favorite people here in Asheville, North Carolina. Nashville? Asheville. Does that happen a lot? It happens all of the time. Well, not so much in Asheville, but yes, it did very much before I moved here.
0: And later on, we're going to have an interview with some fancy-pants folks from Marvel. But we're not talking comics, we're talking beer. And we know you might be avoiding Breaking Bad spoilers. But we gave them an
3: extra day to watch the first episode and everything. So we're not going to review the episode in too spoilery of a way. Scout's Honor, no spoilers. But we do still really want to talk about it.
0: I figure there are no spoilers if we just review Badger's proposed Star Trek episode from the first episode of the last season of Breaking Bad. The Enterprise
1: five parsecs out of Rigel 12. Nothing's going on. Neutral zone is quiet. The crew is bored. So they put on a pie-eating contest. The whole crew's in the galley. They're eating tulaberry pies. Tulaberry? Tulaberrys. From Gamma Quadrant. Y'all. That's Voyager, dude. Okay, blueberries, then. They're eating blueberry pies Better. as fast as the replicator can churn them out. <laughs> Finally, it's down to just three. Kirk, Spock,
0: and Chekhov, okay?
3: And how can you go wrong? This is pie and Star Trek. This is like all of the good things at once.
0: And we left off last season with a whole lot of murder and mayhem, and now we're talking about Star Trek and pie-eating contests. Also, slight side note here, if
3: someone invents a way to beam food out of our stomachs after we eat it, they will be like a gazillionaire. A bazillionaire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what Badger suggests is much less invasive than the adipose from Doctor Who. So, my main goal now that you've used the word adipose
3: is to use the word suit. All right. So, friend of Nerdette, Jennifer Brandell, got her Breaking Bad predictions in Just Under the Wire. Hey, Nerdettes, longtime listener,
0: second time caller, Jen Brandell here. I just wanted to give a Breaking Bad prediction. I feel like Walt Jr. is ripe for some trouble. I think, you know, the whole family dysfunction, things breaking apart. I think he is going to become a user of blue ice. I know it's crazy. I hope Jesse doesn't sell it to him. Maybe he will. I don't know what's going to happen between Jesse and Walt, but I just think Flynn, Finn, whatever his name is, Walt Jr., is going to get into some drugs, and that's going to cause Walt some serious soul-searching. Okay, that's my prediction. Thanks. Jen left us that message on our voicemail, and you can leave us messages anytime at 312-600-5638. Yay, voicemail! We really love them. I especially love the Google translations because they're always so wrong and so amazing. It's beautiful. We're going to have to do a whole segment on that. So, Greta, does Denise Kiernan think you're stalking her now? She honestly might,
3: because I see her everywhere. And I feel like we should give our listeners a little bit of backstory. Sure. Sure.
0: So we've been hoping to book Denise Kiernan on the podcast since I first saw her give an interview on The Daily Show where she talked about her new book, The Girls of Atomic City, The Untold Story of the Women Who Helped Win World War II. We were contacting her people, hoping to get in touch with her. Turns out, where does Miss Denise Kiernan live? In Asheville,
3: North Carolina. Nashville? Asheville? Asheville, So, yeah, it was super funny to kind of happen across her. We met up for drinks. She's one of the most delightful people I have ever met. Super welcoming of Me Too in this new community, which is super sweet.
0: I'm a little jealous, Greta, that you got to talk to Denise before I did. I know, Trisha. I'm really sorry. I was off at journalism camp with the future of America. The youths? Uh, Yes, I was with the youths trying to convince them that journalism is not dead yet. I'm
3: not not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes,
0: he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better! No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Right, only mostly dead. Yes, mostly dead. But mostly dead! He's slightly alive. (laughs) But it sounds like you and Denise had a pretty good time.
3: You're a really great example of someone who's managed to make sort of her personal passions part of her livelihood.
2: Sure, most of the time.
3: And I do think that is very unique, and not a lot of people are able to do that. You know, often when we talk to people about what they're nerding out about, it doesn't have anything to do with what they get paid to do, because such is life, right? Sure, I get that, yeah. And you've done a really broad variety of things, too.
2: I can recast everything that's happened, and it will appear to be on some sort of logical trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) I could do that now. But everything I did at the time was something I really, really wanted to do at the time, but they're probably easier. I could have done it in a more, definitely a much more (laughs) scripted, uh, you used the word intentional a few minutes ago. (laughs) I mean, there could have been, you know, a little bit... A little bit more of that but I mean you know I've always it's always wanted to be it's always storytelling it's some sort of right some sort of storytelling and but to when you have all these different things you know going at once I can become a little obsessive about how I'm organizing my my thoughts and my day and my projects so describe your day to me these days you know these days it's kind of funky because I'm trying to get back into uh, a routine after getting back from the tour, you know, because Girls of Atomic City came out in the beginning of March, and there was an initial uh, few trips during March, and then I was back, and then I was on the road in the south, and then I was back, and then I was out west, so I was in and out for almost three months, and it just kind of turned everything a little bit upside down. And there are still media things to do with regard to the book, but it's time to shift back into getting into my groove. And there are a couple ideas that I'm grappling with, and I need to choose one. I always prefer to write in the morning if I can. If I'm in at the beginning of a project or researching projects, which I am right now, it might be uh, taking notes on particular projects that I'm interested in or trying to decide between it could be doing some reading but there has to be some sort of free writing element in the morning
3: and ideally that's typing or is it actually with the pen and paper
2: sometimes sometimes it's pen and paper journaling but most most of the time it's typing on the computer and i i'm not one of those people who kind of tracks their word count every day, I'm more, at least not right now. When If, if I get into a project with a deadline that, has, that needs a lot of words, <laughs> then of I become the all of the words I can find. <laughs> then I start to get a little more concerned about word count. But right now it's mostly um, just making sure I do some sort of writing every day. And that's in the morning. I find by the time... Uh, by the time one or two in the afternoon rolls around, my he- there's too much stuff that's already in my head. You've seen too many emails, you've had too many conversations, and you know it's a good time of day to maybe do a little research or catch up on emails or something like
3: that. But serious, serious writing I like to do in the morning. So you mentioned you're thinking of some ideas for your next book. Yes, I don't want you to be too specific about that. I can't. But can you tell me at least sort of what the criteria are that you're looking for in these stories? Yes. I mean, there has to be compelling characters, right? Have to be compelling characters. Has to be something
2: that, most importantly, I can live with for several years. Yeah, that's (laughs) huge. (laughs) Because any idea that pops into my head, I save it somewhere. I have an idea vault. Everything goes in there.
3: Now, is that analog, or can that be on the computer, too, as long as it's somewhere? It
2: used to be analog. Uh, Now it's on the computer, because it's just getting too unwieldy. And it's funny, because you go back through every once in a while, and there are certain ideas that always come back to you, and then there are ones where you think, that's horrible. That's just a bad idea. (laughs) That's just bad. No one wants to read about that. (laughs) I'm falling asleep just reading that. And um, so I always pay attention to ideas that don't go away Mm -hmm. as my, as, you know, a year or so passes Uh, And then there are some things that just kind of sneak up on you and you think, huh, that's something that's kind of been right in front of my face for a really long time. And I've never looked at it from, oh, let's stand over here and look at it this way. And those are things, those are, that's actually one criteria that I always find interesting because I feel like it's one thing to find a story that no one's heard or something that nobody knows about. That's actually not that hard but something that nobody's heard about that they think, hmm, I feel like I should kind of know about that. Mm-hmm. Something that's accessible enough, or speaks to a common experience enough, or a moment, you know, in, in in history that it sort of makes you go, yeah, no, I'm I'm still I'm still with you because I feel like I should know that. So not just, oh, trivial. Look over here, isn't this crazy? But oh, that says something about. Our culture, you know, our history, something.
3: That's interesting too, because it's something that you still sort of have to build as you're crafting the narrative, right? I mean, it's it's it is inherent within the story, but it's also like you have to make it as apparent as possible. right Oh yeah.
2: And you're also, you know, with nonfiction, uh, I'm, I'm speaking about nonfiction ideas right now. with nonfiction, you're you're limited by what you can get your hands on. You know, are people alive or are they dead? Did anyone do an oral history? You know, are there documents? Are the documents easy to get to or is it, you know, in some family's attic somewhere? And that, you know, that, of course, dictates what you can and can't do as well. Because the more stuff you can find, the more you can make it personal because I like stories to be very personal. And the more you can make it be about someone and, you know, ideally say, oh, I can sort of see what it might have been like to be that person. But it's easier to convey that if you have, I mean, if you're really lucky, you have letters, you know, or someone who knew them or an interview with them or something so that you can build that up. When do you feel like you can call it? Oh. It's usually when they wrestle something out of my cold, dead hands. It's, I will. Because
3: your deadline has approached, in
2: other words. Yeah, it's turn it over. I mean, this is the beauty of deadlines, though. And right. for those of us who started out in journalism, it's fantastic to have somebody go, no, 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 sorry, you're Time's done. up. No, I'm not done. No, you are done. You're done. Oh, yeah. And I do believe wholeheartedly in getting through a first draft as quickly as possible and trying not to edit while you write
3: and that's so hard I was gonna say do do? I'm so bad at that
2: I'm bad at it too but you it's you know it's constant it's conversations like this with other people who do it that you know you just sort of remind it. just get through it get through it give yourself permission to write a really really crappy first draft and it will be (laughs) and then you get to go back through and Revise it and see how crappy it was, but it makes it. But you've got to get, you've got to get to the end, because that how you end a story for me that informs how you're going to edit the first chapter. You've got to get through to the end.
3: To be honest, I wish more stories took the ending into consideration. (laughs) (laughs) You know, not to bring up Lost or anything, (laughs) but that to me, you know, it's like if they had known what was not get into fringe, we'll never get out of here. It's not fair. It is this not. is why Harry Potter was beautifully constructed as a story. Yes. <laughs> she knew what was going to happen. It all led up to the thing. Well, what's really
2: interesting, it's so true. If it's it's true though. I mean, I think it, it if you think of stories whether they're written or not in terms of destination and in terms of conflicts and resolutions, you know, how you get to that destination might change, you know, between your first draft and your second draft and your third draft. But knowing that you're going to the same place helps and that you want to s-
3: stop by these certain rest areas on the way <laughs> and see these certain sights on the way helps. So is there some life zen that you've managed to accumulate as you've learned some of these writing lessons? <laughs> is that a horrible question? <laughs> what i'm saying though i mean i do feel like there is a certain you know you can't control everything yes you have to let what happens happen you know on my good days absolutely (laughs) i could give i can give terrific advice
2: to other people writing their books you should have my, you should have just skipped me and brought my husband in here. He'd be like, she's insane. <laughs> she's nuts. Maybe we'll do the follow up. about going you? to the dark place, you know, it's, but it's, that's, you know, when you're in it, it's hard to be, I'm not really a writer's group person, but I do have one or two colleagues through the years that I can, you know, pick up the phone and go, oh my God. I'm losing it over here,
3: you know? I bet that's huge. It is huge. Tell me about what you do to decompress.
2: I love reading. I love movies. I, I consume movies. Um, I love reading very much. Who are some of your favorites? I am, if Margaret Atwood's third book, I swear to God, the Mad Adam trilogy. Oh my God. I love that so much. And I finally, when I was on tour, actually, I saw um, an advanced, I saw an ARC, an advanced reader's copy in one of the bookstores. You didn't, did you take it and run? I was not alone. So (laughs) that didn't, I, I would have thought about it I can't steal because I'm one of those people convinced I'll get caught oh wow and somebody will blog about me being like a thieving weird author and it'll just yeah and the blog would be in the library but I asked them I was shame and the blog would be they're saving tweets now they're doing all sorts of stuff I would just be shamed on multiple levels and um but I did ask for it and was denied only because they said we'd be happy to give it to you but there's a list of like 5 oh of us gosh. here who want to read this. Oh my god. It took too long, dear Margaret. It took it took too long for that third book to come out. I but I understand, you know, it has to it takes what it takes. Yeah. But I'm dying to read it. I'm oh, s- I'm dying to read it. So excited. I'm really excited cuz I'm going to be at the uh, the National Book Festival in Washington DC in September and she's going to be there too. That's so super I'm going to find cool. her.
3: You must. Don't be
2: afraid. Yes. Margaret, if you hear this, don't be afraid. I just want to take a picture. One of my favorite
3: books that was sort of short story-ish was A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. I read that, sure. I loved that book. I admire her. I,
2: I thought that was one of the more uniquely presented books I had seen in a long time. And Especially I read that the
3: PowerPoint presentation. Oh, the, the flow
2: dramatic. charts in the middle. Yes. Oh my gosh. I loved Beautiful. that. Beautiful. Yeah. I liked that a lot. I read that back to back. Um I read that back to back with uh Juno Diaz, The Brief Wondrous oh, Life of yeah. uh, Oscar Wow. And for me, it's just because of the kind of stuff that I like. I was just so much more focused on I really loved Oscar Wow. I just I because he not. threw in all that. I mean, I'm a I am a Tolkien geek you want to geek out on tolkien i will go so i mean the fact that he threw all of that all of that lord of the rings language in there i was in heaven i thought oh i am just as dorky as this kid i love it That's hilarious oh yeah i thought it was brilliant the way it was in there it just felt so it also just that it was an excellent it was an excellent use of geekery i think
3: so why tolkien
2: the first one I read, of course, was The Hobbit because that's sort of the that's the entryway drug, I guess. And it's easy. It goes down pretty easy. And I was young when I was young when I read that. It was probably nine or ten. And then middle school, you you try if you love it, you try reading Lord of the Rings. And of course, reading Lord of the Rings in middle school is you can do it. I did it um, more than once and because I had friends who did it, too. And we like to talk about it but if when you go back as an adult you're thinking wow I missed a lot. I, if you go back like in your 20s and read Lord of the Rings you're thinking wow when I was 11 <laughs> it was really a lot of this was lost on me. When you're 11 it's sort of like flipping where's frodo? Where's frodo? When's frodo coming back? Where's Sam? And uh but just just so wonderful. I just he creations of other worlds and other languages and you just know there was this entire body of creativity that didn't even make it on the page but what came to the page wouldn't have been as compelling had he not just created this entire other entire other world yeah so i think it was in you know an impressionable age when i first was introduced to tolkien and that i had other close friends who were into tolkien and i just think it kind of stays with you in a way when was the last time you read them oh my god has it been a while yeah it's been a while and the thing is there's so many that that's definitely on the list of things that uh list of things i would possibly reread but don't you do you ever just sit around and get sad when you think about all the stuff you will never read yeah yeah i get it's it's sad (laughs) The original airing of Arrested Development, I could almost I could almost recite those to you. Oh, those yeah. those those creep into our life on a Me on a regular basis. Too. Me. But it too. might work for us. So quotable. Let the great experiment begin. Be- <laughs> Maybe we're having a family meeting.
3: Oh yeah, you could just go and go and <laughs> oh, go. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. We finish each other's sandwiches? Sandwiches. Yes. Yeah, that's hilarious. Actually, we oh, my god, our first podcast episode was about arrest. It was all about arrested development. Oh my and god, I, I should have really, been on then. Oh. I didn't really realize how obsessed I was with arrested <laughs> development until I started talking. When about I can't it. sleep, yes. I put it on and that sweet little ukulele <laughs> just puts time <laughs> to do 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 I'm just so happy. It's great. I actually turned Getaway into a ringtone and made all my friends customize so that whenever I call, that's what they hear. Oh my! Oh yes! Oh, nice!
0: Thanks to Denise, we'll have her back on soon to talk more about her book, The Girls of Atomic City: The Untold Story of the Women Who Helped Win World War II. Cocktails before homework? Not today, Greta. Today it's all about beer beer so one of my new favorite podcasts is strange brews from wbez here in chicago so as a word nerd i have to say i really love the name strange brews and it's definitely apt for this crew the beer nerds who host this podcast are tim Akamoff, andrew gill and allison cuddy They were at Dark Lord Day earlier this year and stumbled across some slightly fancy folks from the Marvel Comics company. Yeah, and they ended up
3: getting a really good story that intertwines comics and beer, an
0: origin story.
1: My name's CB Cebulski, and I'm the talent scout for Marvel Comics. Uh, Matthew Wade, I'm a cover artist for Marvel and Valiant Comics. There's a big connection between comic books and beer, food, and there's a lot of creativity that goes on in different ways. And I love beer, the Three Floyds guys love comics. We established the fact that there's a, a connection between us because I was at c 2 2 and I noticed they had comic book artists doing their uh, taps. And, and I was like, would you like to do a label? And they're like, we don't. We want to do more than just create a label. We'd love to create a beer with Marvel. So we came up with a beer and it was supposed to be named the Marvel yeah. Zombie. But it was <laughs> stops put on both sides because Three Floyds said, oh, we can't market." liquor to kids and Marvel said oh no we can't do the same thing so it became Zombie Dusts was the name that we created but if you look on the label of the zombie dust there's an ode to Spider-Man, Captain America, Hulk and Thor I and, think. Yourself. and myself yeah and yeah. my name's written in the, in the label as well and that was the first ever collaboration between comics and beer you guys aren't brewers or do you homebrew maybe okay so when you're coming to three floyds and you're going to collaborate and create a beer what do you do like what do you just give them a list of things you like in beer it it depends though because originally i was like i'm a i'm a lighter guy i'm not a, a, a stout or a porter guy i'm like saison i like like lighter beers you know more pilsners and stuff so they you know were just very accommodating with what we wanted or what I wanted in a in a way, <laughs> when I thought that the comic fans would be easier to drink, cause Comic fans aren't big drinkers, I hate to stereotype, but you know. They're not. No. They're really not. No. It, it's, we're getting a little bit older and everything, we know what we like and we have the money for what we like now. So instead of buying a mirror light or something, we rather go for a good microbrew. To, and actually a lot of people are starting to pair comics with the beers that they drink. Yeah, and, and, and it used to be that we used to collect comics. We'd save all our money and go to Comic-Cons and, like, want to spend money on comics or the variants. And now it's like, okay, we make a little more money, so we buy our comics, yeah, and... <laughs> and then uh, now we have a little extra money. we so, all right, we want, we want a better beer. We're more mature, just like our comics taste has improved. We're not reading so much of the, the standard... You know, we're not really we'll, adventure time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're going out and we're expanding our horizons. Yeah. So. Which is happening with a lot of fans. Yeah. Yeah, awesome.
0: Do you have a comic beer pairing that you like?
1: My dad is taking the zombie dust, which yeah. is funny, because after zombie dust went wide, uh, Barnaby sent me a case to my house like thank you for you know doing it. I gave all the I gave to everybody at Marvel. We we we've hooked everybody up with beers. And then I had one beer left, and my dad stole it and drank it. He's like, I like this zombie stuff. And my dad likes The Walking Dead, too. So he's like, this is the perfect pairing. I sit in the house, and I drink Walking Dead, and I drink zombie dust. And I was like, all right, that is the perfect pairing.
0: There's definitely no one better to nerd out with about beer than the folks over at Strange Brews. Check them out on iTunes or online at wbez.org slash Brews. Time now for homework. Okay, my homework for you all this week is to read Let It Blurt, The Life and Times of Lester Bangs, America's Greatest Rock Critic by Jim DeRogatis. I am not too cool to admit that my first introduction to Lester Bangs was watching Philip Seymour Hoffman play a version of him in the movie Almost Famous. Love Philip Seymour Hoffman in this role.
1: God, it's gonna get ugly, man. They're gonna buy you drinks. You're going to meet girls. They're going to try to fly you places for free, offer you drugs. And I know it sounds great, but these people are not your friends. You know, these are people who want you to write sanctimonious stories about the genius of rock stars, and they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. And that
0: movie came out in 2000, and I got pretty into Lester Bang's writing when I was in high school. So you're one of the kids who went through the, like, super nerdy rock phase? Oh, yeah. Was this followed by the Kerouac phase? I think there was an overlap, a Venn diagram of sorts, yes.
3: (laughs) Guilty. Only you would use the term Venn diagram when it comes to rock and roll and Jack Kerouac.
0: There's a clear overlap. (laughs) So when Jim DeRogatis, friend of Nerdette and co-host of Sound Opinions, wrote this biography of Lester Bangs back in 2008, I gobbled it up. And I'm reading it again.
3: Because you're so much older and wiser now.
0: Something like that. Mostly just because it's a great read. And we're going to have Jim DeRogatta stop by our show very soon. You will never guess what he nerds out about. Music. Well, besides music. Not music, huh? Okay, I'm intrigued. Greta, what's your homework?
3: I think you should listen to Strange Bruce, which is the new podcast by Tim Akamoff and Andrew Gill and Allison Cuddy. It's really wonderful. It's about beer. I'm not such a beer nerd myself, but I enjoy beer, so I'm looking forward to learning some things from this podcast.
0: That's it for today. Thanks to Denise Kiernan for stopping by. We hope she comes back soon to tell us more about her book, The Girls of Atomic City, The Untold Story of the Women Who Helped Win World War II. Yes, and thanks to our beer nerd buddies for hooking us up with
3: that sound from the Marvel Comics folks.
0: Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Throw us some stars if you're feeling haphazard or her suit. You did it. doesn't even make any sense. BJ Lederman did not compose our theme, but Greta, have you seen him since last week? No, I haven't, but I keep looking around. I'll find him. Look for the tie-dye poncho. (laughs) I'm on it. You're listening to Pottington Bear. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO.